You are listening to the CX America's Desk to Desk podcast. I'm your host, Marie. From my desk to yours, we're building bridges across Cisco and across CX Americas. Join me as we strengthen proximity, amplify voices, and have a great time. Grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and let's get into it. Here in CX Americas, we are proud to have a diverse group of people on our team, including people of different culture, faith, and ethnic backgrounds. During this time of year, we know there are many holiday celebrations honored across the different communities and cultures throughout the holiday season. Today, I get the pleasure of sharing with you a Hanukkah story from one of our CX Americas leaders, Tal. Hanukkah, the Festival of Light, is a Jewish festival that spans eight nights, recognized this year from December the 18th to December 26th, and has been celebrated since the second century BC. Today, on the Desk to Desk podcast, I am joined by Tal. Tal is the vice president and leader of the CX team up in Canada. He's here today to tell us a very special story, a story near and dear to his heart, related to his family's history and the significance of Hanukkah. Tal, thank you so much for joining us today. Over to you, Marie. Thank you, Alistair. Much like how we pack our homes with food, family, and loved ones during this time of year, I hope that each of us can find the space in our lives to build a bigger table, to pull up more chairs and more seats, and welcome everyone into our conversations, into our communities, and into our hearts. I'm happy to be having this conversation with Tal today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Before we jump into your family's story, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how your career journey led you to Cisco? Sure. So I uh, I live in uh, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. My wife and I have seven children, or not seven, five children between the two of us. So I have two stepchildren and, and three of my own. I I started my career back in the, the late '80s, um, and I uh, I was actually a mechanical engineer. I started off in aerospace. I did everything you know from you know managing machine shops to selling, you know, aircraft maintenance to, you know, project management and uh, spent, spent a, a large part of my career, though, there in sales and, and servicing customers. Um, in 2000, I decided to make a change and go into telecommunications and uh, started into project management then. Did project management for about seven years. I think it was a great experience. It helped um, change my approach to customers and, and uh and really elevate um, my skills in negotiating and working with customers. And it was, it was just a fantastic experience. Ended up um, um, running sales organizations, going back into sales after about seven years and spending time in multiple organizations in a selling capacity and working with customers. And about during the pandemic, um, Cisco and I started speaking and there was an interesting opportunity to, uh, to run the CX organization in Canada. I spent a lot of time with, uh, with some of the leaders uh, at Cisco as we we're having conversations and it just seemed like an amazing organization and culturally a great fit uh, and also a great opportunity to help, you know, really change the lives of our customers in Canada. And so uh, that's how I ended up at Cisco is just through those conversations and and uh, really understanding the organization. So it's been, been a great journey so far. Well, we're lucky to have you and, and thanks for, for sharing that with us. 
So as I mentioned to our audience earlier, Tal is here to share a story with us from his family's history um, that took place at a moment in time where if things had gone differently, this story could have ended in a very different way. So Tal, can you take us back through this moment in your family's history? Sure. So just as a background, my my uh, family uh, came from two different regions. My my mother's side of the family uh, was from the Middle East. Uh, my grandfather's from Yemen. And then my father's side of the family were from uh, Germany. And uh, during a really dark time in our history, my, uh, my father was born in 1940 during World War II. And um, it was in a really tough time for, for the Jewish community uh, within, within Europe and specifically within Germany. My grandmother and, my, and, and her friends and, and her relationships um, led her to, um, to a very interesting journey uh, in her life. And had she not gotten down that journey, then things would have turned out I, I wouldn't be here today. One of her friends had uh, recognized, and my, my grandmother was being uh, tracked by the SS in Germany at the time. Uh, one, of, one of her friends, uh, Kurt Schirra, uh, recognized that this was happening. They were good friends and decided that uh, she, you know, he, he wanted to, to help her out. So they ended, up, they ended up agreeing to get married. And we only actually found out about this story uh, about five years ago because we thought it was a different story. And, and I will get to how, how we found out. At the end of the day, uh, what happened was uh, my, my paternal grandfather was a gentleman by the name of Arnold Kaufman. But because of what was going on in Germany, uh, Kurt Schirau married my, my grandmother. From there, uh, they were able to get her papers that uh, had her identified as a Catholic uh, rather than a Jew. My father was born. Um, and in 1942, things got really, uh, really precarious. And they were looking at my grandmother again. So she had no choice but to, but to try to escape Germany. Uh, Arnold Kaufman had already gone into Switzerland. Uh, and was trying to encourage my grandmother to bring her and, and, and my father uh, to Switzerland, but she had to figure out how to do that. So she started down this journey, started working with, um, with uh, Kurt Schrau just to help. Uh, he ended up getting arrested and, and thrown in, in, into jail. My grandmother was arrested, was able to get out through the, the, the papers that we had that, that showed that she was Catholic. So there, there was questions around her ethnicity. And then she decided she, she really needed to, to get out. And so she started down this journey uh, with a plan to get into Switzerland. So she went, she went through back roads with my father. And you can imagine, she's, my father was two years old at the time. She's going through back roads. She really had to figure out how to get out of the country. So she spent weeks um, on the border of Germany and Switzerland, just building a relationship with the guards, even bribing the guards. And just just getting them comfortable with her as 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 a friend almost, and finally she got to a point with them where she was able to um, um, have them sort of look the other way as she crossed the border. So really, really took a took a risk, extreme bravery uh, in doing this, um, and was able to get into Switzerland. She was captured by the Swiss uh, Border Patrol, uh, put into um, incarceration. And that's where they really. Um, uh, the story really kind of unfolded for us because this is a part of this story and her journey that we didn't know until about five years ago. They interrogated her and uh, she had to fill out affidavits of everything that had happened in her journey. And 
and the truth of who my father's grandfather was. We always thought it was Kurt Chirau, but found, learned that it wasn't uh, him. She, she described every single step of her journey and how she escaped Germany and how she bribed the guards to, to the border guards to get across, uh, across the Swiss border. And finally, because of the situation, the Swiss government allowed her to stay. Um, from there, she, she ended up living in, uh, in, in Switzerland for a period of time, moved to Austria, got um, you know, separated from, from Arnold Kaufman. And then she met uh, another, another gentleman by uh, the name of Max, um, and I can't remember his last name now to, for, for, this, for the life of me, but after about uh, 12 years, uh, uh, you know, my, my, dad was, my dad was about actually about 12 at the time, um, he, he had actually become really passionate about religion and thinking he was Catholic, and my, my grandmother had to keep that a secret from him because children saying something was very dangerous at the time, if you can imagine. So my dad was very passionate. He became an altar boy in a Catholic church and really was passionate about the, the Catholicism. And when he turned 12, my grandmother had told him, the war's over. I want you to know that you're Jewish. So unfortunately, our entire um, family on that side, my entire family on that side was wiped out. And uh, my grandmother was on her own with my father. And so they decided to immigrate to Israel. Um, and it was uh, actually it was... Um, after Israel had become a nation, so, so they, they were in existence. She was able to immigrate to Israel and started a life there. My father, um, you know, grew up, learned he was, was Jewish and became really passionate about the Jewish religion and, and learned everything he could. So it's always interesting having a conversation with my father because he can see, you know, both the Catholic uh, view, viewpoint and he can see the, the Jewish viewpoint. It's, it's always interesting having a conversation with him. Uh, but he's really passionate about about um, about who he is. Uh, he was able to create his identity, regardless of all the diversity they had to face. My father is probably the most positive person I've ever known in my life. I always say that if there's one person I want to be like, it's my father, right? And I always say that if there's one person that I wish I could meet, it's my grandmother for her bravery, for everything she did for her family. Uh, my father ended up um, joining the army as every Israeli had to do. He met my mother there. I fell in love and uh, I was born, um, I was born in uh, shortly after that. So it was, it, was, it was an incredible journey and it was a journey that really was one of those that um, we only learned about, like I said, five years ago. And that's because my father was approached by someone on Facebook who had a picture of a family and his, we thought was his father, Kutcherow, was part of the family in civilian clothes with others around him that were in Nazi uniforms. And my father was, was taken back because I don't understand. So he started to search and he reached out to the, uh, to the Red Cross. And the Red Cross actually was able to trace everything and found documents and documents with my, my grandmother's handwriting with the affidavits that she signed when she was captured in Switzerland and then subsequently released. And it was kind of shocking. And we, uh, my brothers and I sat around and we said, so do we change our name to Kaufman? And uh, we talked to my father, and he said no. My father and, and my brothers and I decided that we needed to honor the name of Kurt Chirau because if it wasn't for his actions, none of us would be here. So hence we've kept this name, even though even though it's not our paternal grandfather. So that's kind of how I got how we got here. Wow, that's such an incredible story, and I have chills just hearing that. I I. 
I can imagine being in the position of a of a young mother who has a small child and is trying to flee for their safety and and protect them. And then as that child is older, having to protect something as personal and as intimate as your faith and cultural identity from that child for their own safety. And then later on being able to, to share that part of their life and identity together. And, and that's what a powerful story of, of resilience and, and love. Um, thank you for sharing that. So your family story, has that affected your, as you've learned these um, pieces of your family's history and, and see your grandmother's words on these documents and these affidavits and, and hear from your father, how has this piece of your family's story affected your perspective and, and does it change how you see things? I think uh, it changed for me and, you know, in terms of understanding, you know, who I was, um, you know, I always had a question mark around our last name because, you know, we're Jewish, but our last name really doesn't sound Jewish. And, you know, and I always kind of scratched my head. And so it started to make more sense. Uh, it started to, you know, when things are bad, it, 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 it gave me, it, you know, I think about it and it gives me hope in humanity, right? You think about the people who were willing to sacrifice or risk their lives to help others. And, you know, from my perspective, it, it really heightened my sense of, you know, wanting to help others, right? And so whenever I think about my career um, or, or the careers of others, I focus a lot on helping people, right? Because I think it's important. I think it's something I've learned from, from that experience is that it's really important to not only not always think about ourselves, but also to think about how can we help others, right? And I, I always say that I get more fulfillment out of helping others than I do out of personal gain or personal, you know, reward. Um, I, I just love it when I see if I've volunteered for something and I've helped someone, I take the most pride in that. That's, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. And with that mentality of, of serving and giving and, and contributing to those around you, do you feel like that impacts how you show up as a leader in your role today? I do. I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of aspects of, of my history that, that I, I think drive, drive me. Right. So one is around, you know, you think about impossible situations like what my grandmother went through or what my parents went through in immigrating from Israel to Canada. And um, I think about just how fortunate we are here, but it also drives me, it, you know, because at any moment things could change. It makes me, try to uh, continue to push and excel and help others and really, really try to elevate, um, you know, what we do. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I do this a lot at Cisco, right? It's really around elevating others around me. What's important is that, you know, we're protecting the, the folks that, you know, that are important to us. Uh, and it's really important for me that, um, that uh, I continue to push forward and demonstrate that that we can be successful together and it's not about any single individual so really the drive and the push for that um, as a result of, of of some of the things i've learned but then also the positive nature right so my father was 
the most positive influence on my life, like just uh, incredible. Um, it, there was never anything that, that couldn't be done. There was never anything that can't be accomplished. Uh, there's always a way to figure out uh, how to solve a problem. And, and I think he learned that from his mother and I think he's instilled that on us. And, uh, and I take that into my, into my work. I take that into my personal life. There's nothing that we can't overcome. There's no problem we can't solve. It may seem impossible, but there's, there is a solution. We just have to, we just have to simplify it so that we can figure it out. And, uh, and I, I do that with the team every single day. And when you, when we have that perspective of, of coming together of humanity and of, and of teamwork, our challenges, especially in the face of of what your grandmother and and your parents went through, they feel like they pale in comparison. They they do. So, what what do you hope that people can learn from hearing your family story? I, I think you know what's important is to never forget you know um, history, good and bad. There's a lot of lot of things that happen uh, every single day you know there's there's you know you look at the the internet and facebook and there's so much misinformation out there and you know i think people have to take a step back and and kind of weed through what's what's reality and what's what's not um there's perceptions that people have so when i look at you know anti-semitism in particular in 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 the world and especially with recent events um, you know, with with celebrities coming out and uh, and and saying things, you know, th- there's just no room for intolerance in our society, right? Like it doesn't matter who you who you are, you know. I, I look at you know the the conflict that that happens in in um, in the Middle East, and I've had friends who you know who are you know in the Middle East we probably wouldn't be friends, but we're we're good friends here, and why? Because we help each other. We, we recognize that we're this, we're, we're not, we're not any different, right? We, we all have our challenges. We all, you know, we all want to, we all want to thrive. We all want to, you know, have a good life. And, um, and I think it's really important that, that we really help each other and not, not, uh, pit, pit, you know, ethnicity against ethnicity. I think we're, we're one people at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. We're, we're one people and we're, we're one community and, so I, I, I appreciate that perspective. What is something that you wish that people understood about either the Jewish community or about this time of year where sure. um, we're approaching Hanukkah celebrations? So one thing that's, you know, that I always found interesting, and this is, a, it's, it, it's actually, there's a, you know, there's a stereotype and, and, and the stereotype always perplexes me because one of the things about Judaism, you know, is our obligation to give back, right? Our obligation for charity. We have um, we have a word in Hebrew. It's, it's called mitzvah, and mitzvah is translated into a number of different ways. It could be it could be translated into commandment, but it's also translated into good deeds, right? So it's around doing good deeds, and you know. One of the, you know, it, it, it becomes because it's a mitzvah and we consider it a commandment in Judaism, it's not an option, right? It's, it is something that we are, you know, we as a community, we're required to, to give back. We're required to, to help others, right? And uh, I don't think it's, it's broadly understood. 
uh, especially when you think about stereotypes of the community. Um, it's really not broadly understood. I feel like that goes hand in hand with what you talked about earlier about your your nature of of helping those around you, of yeah. of shepherding and and mentoring the people that you're with, and and I think that those those two go hand in hand. Do you have any favorite traditions during this time of year? Uh, yes. Um, aside from eating a lot of things that are not good for me, but they're delicious. So we have, we have a couple of traditions. One is um, we obviously it's a it's a holiday that happens over eight days. We light a candle every single day. We we sing together every single day. Uh, when my children are younger, uh, one of the things that we we've done as a family is we 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 actually have a present that's given to the kids every single day. And when my kids were younger, we actually used to do a scavenger hunt every day. So the kids would love it. They would just run around the house following clues to their present for that day of Hanukkah. As they've gotten older, of course, we, you know, we've changed it up a little bit. One of the traditions that we have now is uh, that the kids are um, given a present and the present is money. And they are asked to pick a charity and to donate to that charity with that money that we give them. And then there's obviously the games, the dreidel games, and a little bit of gambling for uh, Hanukkah gelt, which is uh, which is money, but it's really chocolate money. And uh, the kids love doing that. I love watching them play, and uh, it's very competitive, and it's a lot of fun to watch. That's so neat, and I love that tradition of of giving back. I feel like that's a a theme through this whole conversation of where of of looking out for each other, where this community that you're grandmother had around her looked out for her and then here you are looking out for your team for your family for the community around you and then sharing that with your children giving them an opportunity to find a charity and to share and and again take take care of and and give back to the people around them so I feel like that's I feel like that's an incredible theme of of this conversation and I appreciate you being willing to share your family's story and, and being willing to take the time. And thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was Tal Sharao, VP and leader of CX Canada in Cisco's CX Americas organization, sharing a powerful story from his family's history. I hope that as we approach the season of holiday celebrations, that each of you has a safe, healthy, and restful time with family, friends, and loved ones. And that we can keep in mind a theme that we heard throughout this episode of looking out for and taking care of our communities and those around us. We look forward to seeing you back on the podcast in the new year. Thank you for listening to the CX America's Desk to Desk podcast. We hope that you enjoyed today's program. Tune in next time as we continue to build bridges and create meaningful connection From my desk to yours, I hope to see you back soon.